This is She Beats It, your weekly reminder that no challenge is greater than God. We share stories of real Christian women beating the odds in life and business. This is the place where women overcome. This is where she beats it, whatever it is. Welcome to the She Beats It podcast. I'm your host, Brittany King, self-proclaimed hope dealer and God-centered girl. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome a phenomenal woman into the She Beats It squad as we discuss what happens when faith and finances collide. Michelle Slate is a certified financial planner and investment advisor with more than 13 years of experience helping individuals and businesses get answers to all of their financial questions. Michelle did not grow up in a Christian home or even a stable home. She was saved at the age of 19 and just coming out of some extreme hardships, including being in an abusive relationship and living in a car. Barely a high school graduate, she was just looking for a job when God began to direct her into the financial industry. Today, Michelle has two master's degrees, is a published author, speaker, writer, doctoral student, and the founder of Christ-Focused Financial Planning. She has a puppy that is a Havapoo breed, which is Havanese mixed with a poodle, and she also has two bunnies that are indoor and litter box trained. Michelle, thank you for being in the guest chair today. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. (laughs) So I would like to start by you walking me through your journey of how you got control of your finances and started teaching others to do the same. How did you get to where you are today? Well, it's a really long story, but it kind of starts with when I I said yes to God, (laughs) which I'm finding is pretty common with us in our Christian journey. We, We have an idea of what God would do for us. And for me, I really felt like my desire to help people meant that I would be in the medical field. Okay. And so I really tried to take nursing classes and science classes. Meanwhile, he kept opening doors in the financial industry. And I kept getting these job offers and requests to get more licenses and certifications. And and I kept fighting that for a while, but I also kept praying for God to lead me and guide me. And then it started about seven years ago, I guess. Now I kind of lose track when I said yes. And I said, okay, it's pretty obvious nothing else is going to work except for this financial business thing, you know? And in my head, I had discounted that so much because I just felt like, oh, I don't want to be one of those people that talks about money all the time. I don't want money to be an idol. You know, love of money is the root of all evil. And so I kind of pushed it away for a really long time. And then God just kept bringing me back to it. And slowly and painfully and still to this day, he corrects me when I make mistakes with money and and he helps me inspire others. And I've learned that not one person is perfect mm-hmm. when it comes to finances and that we need each other and that we need that grace message. And so once I accepted that that was the calling that God had put on my heart, the, the grace message and inspire and help people when it comes to finances, that's when I just dove right in. I finished my bachelor's degree. I got two masters. I got my certified financial planner. And I'm just, I'm like going, I'm all in. And my marriage is better. <laughs> just so many things are better when you say yes to God. Yes, that is so absolutely true. So give me a picture of what was going on in your life. Could you just expand a little bit more about what was going on in your life when God kept prompting you like, hey, 
you need to do this. What else was happening in your world that may have been showing you like, it's time for me to be obedient? Are there any other things that were taking place? I'd like to hear a full picture of that story. Yeah, for me, it was definitely that overwhelming anxiety of trying to please everyone around me. Mm. <laughs> that was that was kind of my breaking point. I felt like I was kind of split into a million pieces and none of the pieces were me. They were all this version of me that was trying to please everyone and save everyone around me and and God was like there the whole time just you know, holding me and saying, I'll, I'll be here with you as long as you want to keep this up. <laughs> but slowly he, he got through to me and my husband was amazing. I was trying to be something for him during that time, but he didn't want me to be the, the person I was, I thought he wanted me to be. And so we were in a really hard place and my family, I, all this stuff just started falling apart with my family and my mom and my, you know, my sister. And I really, kind of broke me. And this job that I was working in that paid really well, all of the people in there, they were kind of backstabby and they just kept throwing me under the bus for things and accusing me of being a certain type of person. And I I just got to this point where I was like, I am trying so hard to make everybody happy and nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> and and I told my husband, I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he was like, thank God, like, are you finally just going to be yourself and calm down? And, and I didn't know what that looked like. And so I had to just completely surrender. And I thought I had surrendered up to that point. I really did. I had been safe for a long time. I was, you know, I was working really hard at the surrender thing, but I I guess I was just working in my own strength Mm -hmm. instead of surrendering to what God had for me. And you know, being successful and this idea of success and you think you, you have to hustle, 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 and but you can't do it on your own. And so I, I just had to surrender and, and it was painful. You know, it was a good year, two years of just healing from mm-hmm. all that. But my husband was, you know, he's wonderful. We went and renewed our vows at that time when we were in a broken place. I mean, mm-hmm. we were you know, getting personal. We were like sleeping in separate bedrooms. We weren't even, we were barely together. We knew we loved each other. We knew God had put us together, but we couldn't communicate and we were having a hard time. And a lot of that had to do with me just really trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with my life. And, and God just kept, you know, he slowly nudges with love. (laughs) And I was, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'll just, you know, I'll do this business finance thing, which is what God seems to want me to do. And there were a couple signs where I got this opportunity to move to the coast. I moved to the beach for a little while and become a a financial advisor for this credit union. And it was like this time of healing for me. You know, we moved to this small town. There was like 6,000 people lived there. And for a year, me and my husband just got to work on our love and kind of find each other again. Or I like to say we're in our, another version of our marriage. So it was like we, the other marriage is over, but we started over again. Mm -hmm. So we're in our second or third marriage, but we're to get, we've only ever been married to each other. But I started reading all these books, you know, marriage boundaries and marriage by Henry cloud and growth. And I joined uh, Colorado Christian university to get my master's in business and started 
you know, really searching for community online with other Christian women that were like me because I, I could never really find anybody like me in person. So I'm really grateful for Facebook and for the online world. But yeah, that was just God works. Mm-hmm. And he's so good. And what I hear, you talk a lot about healing mm-hmm. and how God walked you through and what came to my mind. And it's funny because I meet so many women who are doing their own thing. And then God's like, nope, come do this. Like, mm-hmm. that's not what I want you to do. And I tell people all the time, my background is career coaching. Mm-hmm. So I'd reach some modicum of success by the world standards. But I always tell people that was a Britney thing, not a God mm-hmm. thing. But there is so much safety in surrender. And that's what I hear you saying. So not only was God transforming and working on you, you know, with your career, but he was faithful to fulfill his promises related to your marriage, related to healing your heart. So I just I just love that about God. Like he's Mm -hmm. so good. It constantly blows my mind. So thank you for sharing that part of your story with us. Another big question I have, so it seems like So I'm just going to confess, I'm going to admit, I am not necessarily good with money, right? So that's always been a struggle for me. So have you always kind of had a knack for managing your finances well, or is this something that you've grown into? Well, I would not describe myself as someone who manages their money well. I love clients that manage their money well. They're the easiest to work with. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I have always been one of those people that just, I spend whatever I have. Savings is not a natural thing for me. I have to have a reason. And it's hard for me to plan real far into the future because I I have this survival thing that I was raised with where, you know, we didn't know where we were going to live all the time. We didn't know if the bills were going to get paid from month to month. And so I just learned to to trust God in those desperate places. My mom taught me to trust God when we don't know what's going to happen. But I didn't learn until more recently to trust God when everything's okay too. So when you grow up with a lot of trauma and things, it's you can become more comfortable when you don't know what's going to happen than when you do know what's going to happen. And so I've met clients like that too, where They come to me when they inherit money or they get a settlement and they're just terrified of having this much money because they've never had it before and they don't know what's going to happen and what to do. And and that's kind of what happened to me when I said yes to God. He started blessing me financially and I started getting a lot more money and a lot more income and everything just started to work and I started to get scared. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. was like, well, what do I do when I don't have debt? What do I, what does my life look like when I have savings? I mean, that's just, that's just weird. I started to feel guilty. I started to recognize that I would feel guilty for having more money than my family and people that I knew. And, and I really struggled with that for a while. And I started to, I would give it away. I would buy things for people. I would, you know, go visit family and I'd just pour my, you know, all my money out on them, like buying them stuff, taking them places. And then I started to recognize a resentment that God showed me that people don't want your money. (laughs) They want their own. They want to work for what they have. People, they want to feel like they're independent. And when you try to give them something, it actually is kind of offensive. 
So I had to learn all these lessons. I also learned that no matter how poor somebody might be, they want to pay for stuff. They want to feel like they're making their own way. So it doesn't matter if it's, you know, you're selling a piece of furniture for $20. They want to pay $20. I, I used to give stuff away. I would say, oh, you can just have this, you know, even though it's worth a few hundred dollars and they would go, oh no, I need to pay you. <laughs> and so uh-huh. I've learned that that's kind of just how people are and how God kind of works is he, he wants us to be responsible. So we have that innate ability, but Growing up, my sister was always the responsible one. You know, she, we would go and do like a house cleaning job or yard care or something. And we both get $20 and I would be like, let's go buy some candy with this money. You know, we got $20. (laughs) We're kids. And she would just say, oh no, I'm going to save mine. And I thought she was just the strangest person. (laughs) (laughs) And now she is more stable, more responsible. I'm definitely a risk taker, but my income is exponentially higher. I have way more what you would call success. And I don't, I can't explain the science behind that. But I was told right after I got saved that I had the gift of faith. And I definitely have the gift of faith. Like I have no doubt sometimes that things are going to work out even when the money's not there. And over and over and over again, God has told me that I don't have to see to believe. And that's what faith is. And so I don't have to have the money in my bank account to commit to the new business. I just have to know that God is leading me and know that if he chooses to have me step out in faith and he chooses to let me fall flat on my face, that that is up to him. I will do everything I can (laughs) to make sure that I follow his direction. And if he wants me to fail for whatever reason, then I have to accept that that's okay. So, but so far he hasn't done that. <laughs> I'm so grateful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, thank I you. hear you. <laughs> yeah, so. I definitely hear you. And so Psalms 24, mm-hmm. one, it says that the earth is the Lord mm-hmm. and all it contains the world and those who dwell in it. So we hear a lot about the word stewardship in the Christian community and that we should be good stewards of our finances. Like that was drilled into my mind growing up because my dad is a minister. So I was like a PK. I grew Mm -hmm. up under the umbrella of Christianity before I accepted it for my own. And so it was kind of, I have a naturally rebellious spirit and it was kind of, I was kind of beat over the head with it. So I was like, you, if I get $20, I'm going to spend 21. Like that, I was like that. But I have learned that the way we manage our finances is important to God because he owns it all. Everything that we have comes from him. And I think that good stewardship applies to all that we have been blessed with and given by God, not just money. Can you share with me your thoughts on that? Being a good steward of all that God has blessed us with. And I see this in your story because when God was calling you, he was prompting you in your marriage as well. And so I just like to hear your perspective on that. Well, I really believe that God cares the most about people and that stewardship is about people first and stewarding the relationships that we've been given and the people that are in our lives. And our finances are a reflection of that to some degree. And God cares about our character. He cares about our hearts. And He will allow us to be uncomfortable while He works on those things. If we say, 
okay, God, I'll give you all my money, but don't mess with, you know, my whatever, (laughs) you know, we, and we're holding back with that, then that's, that's not good stewardship. And so there's the widow, the widow that gave her last penny, you know, and Jesus said that she gave more than anybody. And I, mm-hmm. I listened to a retired pastor talk about this in a finance podcast, I think it was. I can't remember where it was, but he said that in today's environment, the church would discourage her from giving her last penny to the ministry because that's not good stewardship. That's not, that's not responsible. You know, that's just, that's not a good idea because, you know, then she may be a burden on the church, you know, or, you know, we don't, we don't know, but we would never ask someone to give their last penny. But Jesus said that she did right. And so there's, there's so many things in the Bible, especially with Jesus's ministry, that show us that our way of thinking about stewardship is not the same as the way mm-hmm. God thinks about stewardship. And I think about Priscilla and Aquila in the book of Acts and how they were kicked out of their home and had to start over. And they were business owners and they were just trying to do their thing. And then Paul comes and changes their whole lives. And then now they're ministry leaders and business owners and who knows what else. And, and God calls you and uses your skill set a specific way. It's not supposed to be compared to anybody else. God never calls you to do the exact same thing as somebody else, but he always calls us to trust him. Yes. Yes. That's so good. That is so good. I love that you said that. So tell me in your experience. So we hear there's so many financial gurus, Christian, non-Christian, whatever. There's so many financial coaches and some of the messaging is consistent. Some of them, you know, is different. What would you say for the women who are listening? What's the first step that a woman should take to get her finances in order? It's going to sound strange, but women need to believe that God loves them, like really loves them. You have to believe that you're worthy to him, that you are his daughter, and that he is your father and that he loves you so much that there is no, there's nothing you can do that would make him turn his back on you. And when you really get that, I mean, it can take a lifetime <laughs> to get that. But when you get that, the money, it just starts to click into place. All of a sudden, you know that you're going to have enough. So you don't have to worry about, you know, all of these things that we worry about. And we look at the purse or we look at the shoes and we go, oh, I don't really need that. All of a sudden, when you had an addiction to it, you know, five minutes before, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> because we, that whole feeling of not being good enough, which is, comes from our society, it comes from our parents, it comes from wherever, you know, feeling like we're not good enough, like we're never going to amount to enough, like God loves us, but not like accepts us. And, you know, it's like, we, we hear he loves us and we say, oh, I know God loves me. And we believe it to an extent, but when you really get it and you know that you can screw up bad and he's your daddy and he's going to say, hey, I got you. And all of us, every single one of us has an example of when we screwed up and we shouldn't have been able to get by, but we did. God brings somebody into our life or a family member comes through or a bill just gets paid miraculously or a refund credit comes from somewhere it wasn't supposed to come from. 
or somebody charges you less for something that you knew it was supposed to be more. There's all, every single one of us has an example. And I remember one time it was right after I had said yes to God and I was trying to figure it out and I was seemingly successful, but I made a mistake with my finances. And I remember all of it was gone. Like I, I didn't have any money to pay something. And I, I just remember feeling like such a failure. And then God did something. He made it okay. And we had the money. And I just prayed and I was like, God, why do you put up with me? I don't understand. And he just, he filled me with, with love. And, and he was like, you're my daughter. It doesn't matter what you do. It's your heart and you're going to make mistakes, but it doesn't matter. That's not what he sees. He doesn't see the failures because we fail. But that's not who we are. We're not our failures. Right. So I think of Mary Magdalene. I was thinking about her recently and what she must have looked like to the world before Jesus saw her and healed her from Mm. the seven demons. She must have been distorted. I read a commentary about her and how everyone probably just thought she was so awful. You know, she was probably mentally, you know, gone, (laughs) physically all weird acting weird. And then Jesus saw her. And that was what I just, I don't know how to describe it, but I can picture Jesus seeing her and he didn't see what the world saw, you know? Oh, that's good. And so he just called her and then she was there every minute of his ministry after Mm -hmm. that. And she was recognized by all four of the gospels and they couldn't help but name her specifically because she was so present in Jesus's ministry. And I just think about her and how we feel sometimes like we're, we're just oppressed and we're pushed down by whatever it is in our past and everything. And we'll never be, we'll never amount to anything. So we have to go and work for this job where I'm, you know, being mentally abused. (laughs) You know, I got to work under this boss who treats me like dirt, or I got to, you know, do all of these things that we don't have to do, but we feel like we have to do because we don't feel like we're worth more than that. So that understanding that you're more, that you're worth more, that God loves you is so powerful and your finances begin to heal as a reflection of that. And so that's why I, I call what I do Christ-focused financial planning because mm-hmm. you can't have financial planning that makes sense without Jesus at the center of it as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear you. And I love that you pointed out it's so much bigger than money. I think oftentimes we are so focused on what we have and what we don't have that we miss exactly what you're saying. It's about relationship. We are daughters of the Most High King. And I just, I think it's so amazing that you called that out because even though I, I don't naturally have a knack for managing money well, I have spent a lot of time devouring and looking into Christian coaches and financial coaches in general. And the piece that's always been missing is exactly what you just said. It's precisely that. And it, I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, well, that never occurred to me. You know, that you, you think about the importance of recognizing who you are in Christ when it comes to your money. Like they've talked about, but in separate 
ways. And so I love that you combine the two. I mean, that just blew my mind. That was good. (laughs) So for the woman who is listening, who has made a mess of her finances and is really struggling with money management, I know that you would tell her that it's about relationship. Once she pursues getting her relationship in order and accepting who she is in Christ, what are some practical steps that she can take to turn the corner, turn the page on how her finances have been? The advice I I give to people is to simplify, simplify your finances as much as you can. And so look back through some bank statements and if it depends on where you're starting from, but most people are so overwhelmed at this point that that they don't know where all their money is or they don't know. And a lot of people, it's easier to just kind of forget it. So they'll put money in multiple accounts and they'll just kind of like forget where's what because it's easier than actually tracking it and taking responsibility <laughs> for what you're doing. And so knowing what you have and really surrendering all of it, not in the sense that you have to give it all away. A lot of people think, well, if I bring my finances into my faith, then that means God's going to call me to give it all away. And that's not true at all. God Mm -hmm. does not want you to give it all away. Just like he showed me that in my wanting to give it all away, I was actually doing more harm than good. And it didn't make sense to me at first, but God has really, really opened my eyes to that, that unless he's calling you to give, you are not supposed to give. And Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with spending. So there's three categories of money once you have it. There's the spend, save, and give categories. And so when God gives you money, you're going to do one of three things with that money. You're going to spend it, you're going to save it, or you're going to give it away. (laughs) And it's really that simple. So when God gives you money, you just pray and ask Him, okay, how much of this do you want me to spend? How much of it do you want me to save? And how much do you want me to give? And there's a lot of people that will tell you certain percentages, but I really believe that God leads the person when it comes to the percentages. Some people are called to give way more than 10%, (laughs) you know, first of all. Mm -hmm. And some people are called to give to multiple ministries and or start their own ministry. And there's just so many ways God's not traditional. I've seen, you can't put God in a box. There's a, there's one saying I've been saying a lot. I say, God always works a certain way unless he wants to do something else. And then you can't even (laughs) (laughs) plan for it. So when you don't know what to do, you track your income, you track your bills, you save and you give, and you try to simplify it and not take it personal. Your money is not your identity. How much income you make is not your identity. There are, you know, if you look up the average income in an area, you can find all this data online. There's poverty level, there's average income, and then there's all these people that make way more than that, but most of us don't know any of those people. (laughs) (laughs) But then there's businesses. And if you read about people, a lot, many of them started with nothing and became successful. So what makes them different than you. And you can start to learn and grow as you read and and ask God to open your eyes. I always say, if you don't know what to do, you read Proverbs and you ask God for wisdom because Solomon asked for Mm -hmm. wisdom 
when he didn't know how he was going to steward the kingdom. And he was just a child and God would have given him anything. He had the dream and God asked him, I will give you anything. What do you want? And he asked for wisdom. And God said, because you didn't ask for money, I'm going to give you both. And mm-hmm. so I, I think about that. And I know that God doesn't care about giving us money. He'll give you whatever you need and then some. But if you're seeking after the money, it will not fulfill you. It will not mm-hmm. make you happy. It will, it will eventually kind of act like a disease. And so we have to seek the wisdom and the love and know that money is just, that's just how we pay for stuff. Or we save it for when God opens our eyes to a need that we're going to have. It's not for us. It's kind of like the Joseph Joseph role where he was sold into slavery and ended up working for the, the king of Egypt. And he was put in charge of all of the resources. It wasn't his, but he had the job of figuring out who gets what. And that type of responsibility is a huge responsibility. But God had to train him and give him the wisdom on how to handle that. So, Michelle, now's the time for the rapid response portion of the podcast, where I ask you a few questions and you respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I am ready. (laughs) Awesome. So, what is your favorite word that comes to mind when you think about God? Grace. Yes. (laughs) Tell me why you said grace. Because it leads everything I do. I'm hard enough on myself is what I've learned. <laughs> I don't need the, the hammer to come down on me. <laughs> I do it to myself all the time. I'm very hard on myself. And grace is what God continually pours out on me because that's what I need. And so I know, I know not everybody's like that. Some people take advantage, but I don't believe that's true for most of us. I think grace is, is what we all need. Yes. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? That Jesus is so amazing and he's not like you think. <laughs> that he's, he's so compassionate and he loves you so much. And to be loved unconditionally, it just changes everything. It does indeed. It changes the game for sure. Mm-hmm. What is one book or resource you have found most helpful during your journey? Henry Cloud, Nine Things You Simply Must Do. Oh, that's good. I've never heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, most people have heard of his Boundaries books, but yes, he writes a lot of leadership books and there's nine things you simply must do and nine things leaders must do, but they're pretty much the same book. He gives so many examples. The nine things are the things that he has found in common with successful people. And success is not defined by money, although most of the people he talks about are financially successful. There's just nine things they have in common. And it's a really eye-opening and it it has changed the way I respond when things happen. And so I don't, one thing is you don't back away from pain when it's a growing pain. You identify the difference between pain that hurts because you're being wounded and pain that hurts because you're growing. There's two different pains. And he talks about when a tooth is infected, the natural response is to just take an aspirin and and try to forget that it's infected. (laughs) And he says a successful person will make a dentist appointment and go get that tooth pulled. (laughs) 
Um, mm. And so those types of things they talked about in that book. And that book is the reason I keep continuing my education and I keep going because he gives an example of how we tend to think, oh, I can't do that because it's going to take too long. I don't want to finish my degree. I don't want to do that because that's going to take forever. You know how we say that. Oh, that'll take forever. He Mm -hmm. challenges that and says, how long will it take? And you're forced to say that it'll take two years. It'll take four years. And then he asks, well, do you plan on being alive that long? (laughs) And, And if the answer is yes, then it's not a matter of how long it will take. It's a matter of, when the time passes, do you want to have that accomplishment or do you want to be exactly where you are now wishing you had done that thing? Mm. Mm. Going to Amazon, adding to cart. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to get that one. It sounds like an amazing book. It's an easy read too. (laughs) Very good. Okay. Next question. You're a new addition to the crayon box. What color would you be and why? Oh my goodness. I think I'm teal because I'm in between blue and green. Blue is like the color of calm and grace, but green is more aggressive. (laughs) And so that's how I feel like I am. I feel like I'm really, really, you know, compassionate and love Jesus, but I'm also really aggressive about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll take that. My last question is on your darkest days, how did you find the light? Oh, I've learned that it's okay to cry and it's okay to show weakness. I've learned that from my husband. He has shown me so much compassion when I feel like I can't do it all and I, I feel like I'm going to break in half. And he, he says that that is what makes you human. And that is what makes him love me even more is when I struggle. Because when you struggle and you get up, it's more powerful than if you had never struggled. Mm. Mm. So we're almost out of time. Before we go, is there anything else we haven't covered that you'd like the audience to know? That is such a deep question. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Just that you are amazing and you're loved and whoever is listening to this just needs to know that they are enough. And that God has put everything in front of you for what you need to do right now. He is such a good God. That is so true. And so, Michelle, I'm so excited that you are offering a membership site filled with resources for Christian women who need guidance and encouragement around their money. So audience, as you're listening to this, I will put a link in the show notes. We are so excited about this that Michelle has so graciously offered this uh, at no cost for our listeners. So there will be a link to access this in the show notes. Michelle, how can our listeners connect or get in touch with you? Well, I try very hard to be transparent through Facebook and through my website, michelleslate.com. I post all my, I try to post links to all my lives on that website, just in case you're not on Facebook. But I have found Facebook to be a really wonderful community when you surround yourself with positive women. (laughs) So I know that you can get caught up in some negative things on social media, but If you are intentional about surrounding yourself with positive people, then even Facebook can be a wonderful thing. So I have a Facebook page and a group, but that I also have my personal stuff on there too. 
Awesome. So I'll also put the link in the show notes for those so our listeners can connect with you, learn more about you, and just celebrate the goodness of God with you as you go about your journey. Thank you so much for being a part of our squad. We are excited to welcome you. We love the gems that you shared. They were oh so good. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. So honored to be here. I think you're amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much. So that is it for this episode. Make sure to leave a review and check us out online at shebeatsit.com for additional information and resources. I'm Brittany King. Until next time, ladies, trust God to help you beat the odds.